Hi there. Well, you've now been through the whole process of evolution, how to evolve yourself. Let me just go back through it again before we move to the next cycle through the whole thing for the second time. On a daily basis, we can evolve, we can grow daily. But most people live in the bottom of the consciousness cone and therefore the only time they evolve is when they suffer. They suffer stress, they suffer loss, they suffer uh, struggles, they suffer pain, they suffer uh, loss, they, they suffer all sorts of things, physical, emotional, mental pain, financial pain, relationship pain, and then they go, oh, I need to evolve, I need to do something about this. And they go back and they try and fix the other person. They try and fix the other person, assuming that all the problems can be sorted by fixing somebody else. And there's a couple of things we already know. We've already known for a very, very long period of time. And that is you can't change another person. And secondly, if you love that person, if you're in a relationship with that person, you are no longer objective. Your opinions, your second-guessing of them, your uh, ability to give them good advice is gone out the window. You are now in a subjective environment. So you're never a prophet in your own home. And I think one of the things that we can realise is that everything we do to try and make another person happy when they're sad or sad when they're happy, everything we do is fruitless. Complete waste of time. And... We might, make, we might be able to buy somebody a Lamborghini or uh, buy them an air ticket around the world six times or we might be able to do something for somebody that makes them temporarily happy but it doesn't cause them to be happy. Happiness is a thing that you own and the person cannot be given anything they don't feel worthy of. So if you give someone 100 uh, megabytes of love and they only feel worthy of 2 megabytes of love 98 of those megabytes that you think you're handing over to the other person in compassion, kindness, care, intimacy, whatever it is, get put in the rubbish tin because they only feel worthy of two. So they will deliver back to you two because that's what they think they've received. So we're never a prophet in our own home. We think that uh, when we struggle with a situation, we firstly focus on how can I make my partner different so that they don't be as uh, upset or annoying to themselves or you or whatever it is. And so we start entering into this incredible, uh, disa incredibly disappointing environment of trying to change people. What we realise in the end is the only thing that can evolve is ourselves and we need to be very, very committed to that because as you've learned in the past uh, period of time that you've been doing this 30 days, you've learned that not everybody uh, is happy about you growing, that actually it provokes or antagonises a lot of the default mechanisms that you and your partner and your colleagues at work have created. In other words, friendships are built around uh, agreement, uh, a collaboration. And when we don't collaborate with the, the mindset of the friendships, we're seen to be 
uh, going off track, but actually we're going on track and our friends are not. So it's not easy to change uh, the, the, uh, yourself because there are a lot of infrastructural uh, setups put in place, such as agreements and likes and uh, compliments that friends only give you if you agree with them. Collaborate. Now we get paid to collaborate at work, and I guess one of the confusions is how do you go to work, uh, in a sense corrupt yourself, and collaborate with people who are, uh, uh, have an influence on your income and the security? How do you collaborate with them uh, at work and yet not fall into the trap of thinking that everybody you know outside of work becomes a uh, uh, necessity for you to collaborate with. A commitment to evolve yourself on a daily basis, it's really a beautiful thing because the definition of a tsunami in the world is an environment that didn't evolve for a long period of time and the evolution was came through a shock. We know that the most expensive evolution, the most expensive seminar on earth is a hospital bed. We know that relationships eventually fail because they avoid the challenges that are necessary to keep them evolving. People try to create peaceful, happy, loving spaces thinking that that's the definition of a relationship. But a relationship is support and challenge. And when we don't challenge the other person or the other person bursts into tears every time we say something that they don't agree with or like, we get left in a place of um, providing only a certain dishonesty, a certain, uh, uh, let's say, uh, ret re uh, expression that the other person likes to hear and we repress the part of ourselves that they don't like to hear. And so we become very much uh, indoctrinated by the, by the idea of relationships work on being liked. But the definition of a relationship is support and challenge. Not always fun, but if you have a loving relationship, it means that you welcome those things and you don't take everything personally. You don't have bickering fights at all. You just go, you can speak it out loud. I just don't like, I'm not into that, or I don't want to do that, or this is not the way I like it, or this gives me fear. You have the right to vocalize your experience, but not necessarily for the purpose of changing what the other person does. So let's go through what we've learned so far in the 30 days. The first thing that we did was the last thing. We learned about self-talk. And I've encouraged you with the last uh, audio we did on dream boards and uh, Puff the Magic Dragon and all these things to, to really develop a sense of the word uh, talking to yourself in the context of second person, you. Parent, adult, child, or uh, what, do we, what do we call it? Motivation, instructional, and, and um, reward, which is you can do it. This is how you do it, and well done for doing it. And some form of those three need to be balanced on a daily basis because what we have discovered, we quite often treat ourselves worse than we treat our worst enemy. And that's not necessarily wise. We inherit that shit from our childhood. 
before the age of three. And we, all well-meaning parents, call it, they call it discipline, they call it whatever. But uh, as I believe, great parenting comes from ignoring that which doesn't work and rewarding that which does. And instead of punishing that which doesn't work, I believe in rewarding that which does. And I also believe that belief in the, the child, uh, in a sense of you can do it, um, uh, treat people as you wish them to become, becomes a really beautiful way to synchronize that. And here are the three steps to getting the dishes done. Here are the three steps to cleaning your room. Here's the two steps to doing this. We quite often ignore the how uh, in the, in the self-talk process, but I always uh, would advocate to say to somebody, you know the three steps, you know the two steps, you know the six steps to get this done. In, in other words, to give them a, some sort of method, method. So we started with the back end of the, of the, evolution, the daily evolutionary process, the daily power hour. We moved to the first step, which is discard, which is letting go, which is what today is going to be all about, letting go. We, and we only let go so we can evolve our uh, mental and emotional state and move through shit that comes to us. Most people's trauma and drama comes from holding on to an identity or holding on to a belief system or holding on to a judgment, a criticism. And there are infinite opportunities in a day to uh, work through that. The second thing we, we talked about was your um, daily cellular growth. And I gave you... Uh, um, uh, clear uh, links to what's called burst training or high intensity interval training, which lasts three minutes every day. And I think aside from all the things you do on a daily basis for sport and exercise and going for a walk, I think you re really would be wise to do the HIT training on a daily basis, if not every second day. And the definition of a HIT training is you will sweat. And if you're not sweating, you're not doing it. So I think that's how you keep your DNA. You look at your diet, you look at uh, every now and again, fasting, skipping a meal here and there, completely skipping it, using water as a replacement, and every now and again going on a juice cleanse or even a one-day water cleanse uh, when the weather's bad and just stay inside. So we talked about cellular health and keeping your body young and fresh and rejuvenating the cells of your body. Um, supplements are always great. Be careful what you take, but... Supplements are always, always another way of keeping your health in, in order. The third thing we talk about was your environment, what you wear, what's on the walls, what's on your desk, what's in the house, how clean the house is, how clean your desk is, what's on your feet, what's on your socks, uh, those undies. We, we talked about a, a multiplicity of things that really add up to how you treat yourself environmentally, how you treat yourself. And yes, Treat yourself as you wish to become. Um, dress for success. All these things are affirmations. They're very strong, externalized self-talk. And of course, we talked about the process of entering into nature and looking for beauty as the most honest and simple and magnificent way of bringing so-called spirituality into your existence from an environmental point of view. Remember, going for a walk with all the senses, listening, tasting, smelling, looking, feeling, all these things engaged, 
That's mobile meditation. We then talked about your value set. Now, prioritization every single day is absolutely essential. Because if you take your job, no matter, big, no matter how big or small, there's someone doing more work than you in the world. And therefore, what you could honestly say is, uh, if I'm at capacity doing this amount of work, or I'm struggling or stressed or uh, overwhelmed with this amount of work, there's no way I can get promoted to do more. So the process of being able to be promoted to do more is called prioritization. The ability to work out what you get paid for, the ability to work out your key performance indicators, the ability to work out what emotional uh, um, availability you need to turn up with, and the availability on a daily basis to prioritize uh, the highest all the way through to the lowest in a day. And this includes where you spend your time in terms of, you know, I, I know people spending three, four hours a day exercising when they say their purpose is to uh, build a business or to uh, inspire people. And you go, well, three or four hours exercising and inspiring people, that, that can link, uh, but it, it's a long bow. The fifth step in the process was your vision, and we've gone through that with the dream board, and we're going to go through that again in a couple of days. We're going to start doing a vision quest, but vision really is what keeps people in a state of mental strength. So uh, the two aspects of a vision um, are, uh, uh, where am I going? Where am I right now? And am I thankful for it, which is called inspiration? How do I be thankful for what I've got? Lucky fucker. How do I be thankful for what I've got, the way I've got it? And then, how do I change the form of it to the way I, way I want it? So if you want to be a billionaire, the wisest thing you can do is write down on a sheet of paper where I already am one, and how I would like to transform that from where I have already got it to where our future wanted. That way we, we get the fuel, which is mental, uh, 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 um, uh, mental health, is fuel, which means grateful for what I've got, inspiration, that's mental health, and mental strength is what do I want, and I need to link those two. And that's the real engagement of vision. I think there is nothing more important than VIP in your life. Finally, we talked about the sixth step, which is the self-talk, which is the one we started with. So today, we're going to go back to what is called step one, discard, and we're going to talk about uh, letting go. Because one of the things that happens when we hold on to things for a very long period, much longer than we need to, is they get wrenched out of our hand. And when something gets wrenched out of our hand, it really was going for a very long period of time, but we just didn't realize that our health, our job, uh, our, uh, uh, our dignity. Uh, so when we work on low priorities, and when I mean that, I mean when we work on other people's priorities, when we work on low priorities, we're working on other people's priorities, we attract calamities, disasters, and humbling circumstances. That's really sad. It's part of the values 
set and it's human nature. But when we attract calamities and disasters, humbling circumstances, it's really a, really a desperate environment that forces us to, to need to let go of something. So the most important thing when we need to let go of something is to go through process. Once again, the self-talk of, I know you can do this, I know you can let go. The second one part is, here are the five steps to letting go. And finally, well done for even trying to let go. So the, the, the self-talk is packaged there. So we're going to go through the steps to letting go of anything, uh, whether that's dignity, financial, relationship, health. If you, you know, as I did, uh, had a, a spinal injury, which forced me to let go of a lot of uh, sporting activities that I used to do and, and uh, some degree of uh, uh, mobility, uh, I had to let go. And so it's a process, whether it's relationship or health or a job or whatever. So the first step in this, it goes through uh, five really clear st stages. And the first step is to say, what is it that I'm holding on to? And very often we find, let's say it's a person, we have to, find, we have to ask ourselves, what is it about, what is it that that person gives us that we're holding on to so tight? And they might be giving us security, they might be giving us friendship, they might be giving us a sounding board, they might be giving us a sense of family, they might be giving us a sense of unity, they might be giving us a sense of being lovable, loved, uh, or a person to love. So sometimes the things we're holding on to are soft issues, which are emotional, uh, and sometimes they're hard issues, such as uh, a wealth uh, that person you're holding on to uh, that you might have to let go might be uh, 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 your future. They might be uh, half, your, half your material wealth might go with that person. So you go, okay, that's what I'm holding on to. The second thing is um, to acknowledge. That's the, f the first thing. The second thing to acknowledge is what is the new form that it's taking? So as soon as you are, as soon as you, whether you like to move on or not, when you are forced to move on, the second, one second after the declaration of it's over or it's finished or it's changed or it's lost, there is a new form of the old thing. And we're very slow to acknowledge that there's a new form of the old thing. Um, when my spine, uh, uh, had, had, I had five years of, of rather difficult surgeries um, and nothing was missing. My mobility became uh, my, uh, quite frankly, became my podcasts. My mobility became five books. I was mobilized, not necessarily in a physical way, it changed form into a communication, into a uh, audio and written work. It became more focused on the internet and my mobility became uh, much more adaptive in dealing with people. So actually, although I had to let go of the physical mobility, I, could, I found the mobility of the work I do and the mobility of the form it was in really conspicuous. There were other forms of mobility too. Uh, my expenditure on sport went down and my expenditure, my savings went up and uh, my investments went up radically because I had more time to sit and think about them. So nothing's ever missing. And so the, the second question is, what is the new form? 
The third question is, what's the disadvantage of the old form? Now, that relates to your vision, inspiration, purpose. What's the disadvantage holding on to that person or that part of that person? Let's say they provided security. What's the disadvantage to you of holding on to the security that that person provided or to the friendship that they provided or the kindness that they provided or the money that they provided or the comfort they provided? What's the disadvantage of getting it in that form from that person? We've already gone through step two, which is to say, what's the new form? And the fourth column is to ask, what's the benefit of the new form? Now, by this time, filling out the sheet with about, I don't know, 20 or 30 rows on any topic at all, you'll start to see that actually you'll come to a place of peace, which is, well, I'm not necessarily booming in the new space, but I'm not necessarily holding on to the old one. And this practice, a practice we call a practice between performances, learning how to let go of things, becomes a really, really, really powerful because all of these processes that we're, I'm working through with you in a state of good consciousness are organic, they're natural. The body thinks in balance, the mind thinks in balance, the consciousness thinks in balance if we're not caught in free will, if we're not caught in emotional ruts, uh, behavioral repetition. So when you finally practice these things for a few weeks, uh, every day, maybe one row, one line uh, 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 across a sheet, you, and, you, and you do it by handwriting, you start to develop an organic ability to just process stuff really quick, and you start to not be attached. The fifth row is how does, what would, you, you can ask it in two ways. How would holding on to the old way be bad for my future? Or how does the new way be good for my future? It's the same question. And I think what we need to do is, we've, in the first four columns, we've dealt with the past, present, and future. But the last column, the fifth column, not being with that person or not having that job or not having that spine the way it was, how is that good for my future? And this remodeling of the future, the reinventing of ourselves, is the secret to letting go the tsunami stuff, the big stuff. How is it good for my future not to be with that person? How is it good for my future not to have that amount of money I had before? How is it good to, for my future not to be able to walk as far as I used to be able to walk, etc., etc.? And this last column really becomes, I think, uh, the ultimate self-talk. The ultimate self-talk, because in a sense, what I, what I say to people who I've never met before, who've just been dumped, and I had the occasion to work with people over the last 12 months, I'd probably say 30 or 40 people who had been dumped uh, in relationship the week before they got in touch with me through a referral, um, I said, give me six weeks. And when that person rings up finally and says, I want to come back, you'll say, no way. No way. Never go back. And so the pain of regret outweighs the pain of discipline. 
the pain of discipline is to sit down and do the letting go form. And what I suggest to you is that every day just do, write down the columns we've just talked about and every day put something that you need to let go of in the first column and just fill out the other th uh, four columns and see how you go with it. All right, so that's your, uh, that's your day and a little bit of homework to do. Have a beautiful day. Bye.